Welcome to episode 37 of the Golf Betting System podcast. This is our 2018 Open Championship preview show covering the 147th Open from Carnoustie Golf Links. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Previewer at Golf Betting System, and with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams and resident podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan. Good evening, chaps. Evening, gents. Good evening, guys. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk, that's the website. If you want some Twitter handles, I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. We are available on Podbean, iTunes, TuneIn for Android, Spotify, Player FM, and Podtail. Naturally, subscribe or follow the podcast and tell your friends about the show. Now, our US Open preview that we did a few weeks ago, um, boys, proved to be very, very popular with the listeners. So we thought we'd do exactly the same for the Open Championship. Yeah, why not? So uh, this is going to be um, available from the 12th of July, Thursday the 12th of uh, July. Our actual pick show will be available on Tuesday the 17th of July. So that's when we'll go through, um, or Paul will certainly go through, his main tips uh, for the Open Championship. And Barry and I will also be uh, going through who we are actually backing at next week's Open Championship. And by then, of course, we'll know a bit more about the forecast. We'll know a bit more about course conditions. We'll know the full field. We'll know exactly who played well at the Scottish Open that's being played from tomorrow. We're recording this on Wednesday evening over here in the United Kingdom. So, the Open Championship, lads. Give, give, me, give me your... Um, I don't know, give me a memory. Which, uh, what memory jumps out, of, out at you two in terms of, you know, open history and, and open you've enjoyed in the, uh, in the, in the near past? Well, I guess if we're talking Carnoustie, then actually, I mean, although the um, the, the Harrington win was more recent, um, we've all seen the Jean van der Velde uh, capitulation at the 18th so many times. That's like Barry most Saturday afternoons. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. We've got into the podcast, what, one minute and 40 seconds. We've bashed Barry and we've gone straight to Jean van der Velde. <laughs> It didn't take long, did it? it but no, no, not at all. I mean, yeah, both of those uh, opens have been so dramatic, haven't they? Coming down the coming down the stretch, and you know, the, the final hole is an absolute brute of a hole, isn't it? And uh, you know, it's created that drama on both occasions. And um, I, I rewatched the final uh, hole again today from from uh, Vandervelde in in uh, its full glory, and. Uh, yeah, it was wasn't good, was it? wasn't good at all. But um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's you know, it, it, it's one of those tough, tough, proper tough tests, isn't it? As an Open Championship, you go to the likes of St Andrews, and actually, on a nice day there, it can be um, it can be pretty straightforward. But uh, Carnoustie or Carnasty Car is um, a proper <laughs> test for these guys. Carnasty. <laughs> Could quite well be car nasty this year. This this uh, this year with the uh, firm and fast conditions that uh, we should be getting. We shall see. I, the thing for me about the open is, 
if you think about the last five, six years, you know, just to go straight to the, the more, more recent ones, every year it seems to deliver a brilliant, exciting, drama-filled event. Mm. You know, it doesn't just pass by uneventful, like, say, a PGA Championship can. Yeah. Something, all, something incredible and um, a topic for lengthy discussion for many months and years afterwards seems to happen every year at the Open. And... You know, that has to go down to the courses, uh, the setup of the courses, you know. And then, of course, you've got the weather on top. But the courses and the setup of the courses seems to always lend lend the tournaments to developing a brilliant storyline and drama year in, year out. Mm. And I think that's one of the things I love so much about it, that you hardly ever get one that's a little bit boring. I mean, you could argue that Rory's was in twenty fourteen was probably the most straightforward of all the yeah, recent ones. And he hit the front, drama he? free. He hit the front and he did what Rory tends to do, which is just keep his pe- pedal to the metal. Wouldn't it? I think Garcia and Ricky got kind of close, didn't they? Mm. I mean, but it was one. I mean, it was still really impressive to watch. Oh, yeah. It's probably the the one that would be the least talked about of the more recent ones. But like, just like last year, you have the the Speed and Kucher. Uh, battle and then the whole the drop onto the the speed drop you know the year before you've arguably you know some of the, probably the best 36 hole head to head between Stenson and Mickelson yeah. that you'll ever find and I've actually tried to find that online to just rewatch the the two final days you know as they happened that and can only find view, bad bad quality recordings mm. and uh, that cut in and out pretty uh um, listen, they're they're there, which is you know you can't really complain about. But I'd love to sit down and watch mm. them those two days back in high def, because yeah. um, I remember them being incredibly oh, special. Man, just uh, not only because they? of the quality of golf, but um, you know the little bonus that I had, uh, I had Stenson backed, so you know that mm. makes those days a little bit extra special. That's a nice pickup, Barry. That is. No, they're not particularly uh, well, easy I, to win, get, get the winner from these uh, Open Championships. So uh, any result like that? No, but if you keep if you keep throwing darts at Stenson, eventually he wins. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. What about you, Steve? What what kind of makes this the thing for you? What what makes the Open for you? I just think it's the history of the courses. Um, I think the the fans are very knowledgeable. There isn't so much mashed potato and all this rubbish being shout it shouted around. Um, and like you said, you do get some fantastic finishes. And I, I must say, I do prefer an open championship that's played in gnarly, windy conditions. Paul and I went to Turnbury in '09, I think it was. Yeah. And we we went there on a particularly um, windy day, and it was fascinating to watch. Absolutely mm. fascinating to watch. I remember we watched Tiger hit it out of bounds on one of the holes off the tee. And he was shaking his head. It it was it, it was evil golf, really yeah, evil to watch. But it was fascinating. And I mean, let's just run through. I mean, Carnoustie. These are the level of champions that have won at this golf course: Tommy Armour, Henry Cotton, Ben Hogan, Gary Player, Tom Watson. You can uh, Paul Laurie, although you could also refer to a Jean Van Develde, of course, in '99, and Patrick Padraig Harrington. I mean, that is a very, very strong set of winners at this golf course. Mm. And I'll read this to you from my um, Open Championship preview. This is available um, if you're on um, Podbean. There'll be a link through to this um, to this document um, available there. This is from Ernie Els. Now, if you want to talk to anyone 
about um, the major, you know, about the the courses on the Open Championship rotor. Ernie Els is as good as anyone. I think Carnoustie is the toughest of the whole lot. It's got length. It's got great bunkering. You've really got to have your wits with you to play this golf course. It's probably the best bunkered course that you'll ever find anywhere in the world. I mean, that's high praise from one of the, you know, from a player that's up there on a pedestal in terms of his achievements and quality over over the last 30 years. It's unbelievable from that those comments from Els. That's it, that tells you the kind of track we're dealing with this week. Yeah, if you read around it, a lot of people comment on the bunkering, not just because clearly the the pot bunkers are, um, they're evil, aren't they? They're they're, they're a penalty, effectively. If you can can get out of the bunkers, then you're chipping sideways, you know, nine times out of ten. They're they're well positioned as well, Paul. Yeah, it's Very well positioned. You know, a lot of these guys can't just fire it over them. They'll, they'll, They'll move the tees based on the wind. Yeah. So you know they're in play for a you know for a whole vast proportion of the field. Yeah, and if you look at the fairways, a lot of the fairways are kind of angled and cambered towards the um, towards the uh, the bunkers as well. So even what you think is a decent drive um, can end up uh, you know drifting into a, a, one of the bunkers. I guess you're going to see quite a lot of that this week. Um, Given that it's it's going to be firm and fast, you know, I saw some of the pictures and some of the on the range um, commentary earlier from the Scottish Open, um, which is being yeah. played as of tomorrow, um, and it's you know the, the the grass up there is is brown, you know, apart it, from yeah. apart from what they've maintained um, on and around the greens and the, you know the, the fairways, clearly they've had to keep the grass alive, but it's very very dry. Up it, there. It's exciting, isn't it? That's mm. what you want to see. You Absolutely. want that's what you want to see. It's yeah. going to be a proper open championship this one. Yeah, I think so. This is a link season unlike anything I can remember where you know you have three cracking courses in a row on the European Tour with Ballyliffin, Gullen and Carnoustie and all three of them are going to be playing in a very similar fashion, yeah. firm, fast, requiring, you know, incredible strategy and risk taking to 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 succeed on them. Mm. It's um it's an absolute feast for um anybody who's a fan of this style of golf, and um I I yeah I can't I just can't wait it'll be inter- it'll be interesting to see how the guys who are playing this weekend uh, and go and avoid the uh, the bunkers yeah there's so many of them out there yeah, yeah. so it's really good practice for them it's, uh, yeah. going into next week it's a it's a very good warm up isn't it the, the, Gullen is a great test um you know it's not it's clearly not going to be as as hard and as as difficult as uh, as Carnoustie, but it's you know it's not like Castle Stewart where the guys are going out there and shooting 15, 20 under, and you know whilst it looks a bit linksy, it's you know it's not really giving you the right kind of um, prep test. Um, this this week will give the guys a real taste of what to expect next week, and and then uh, then then we've got the real deal um, as of Thursday next week. Just as a reference to listeners, I think the last seriously firm and fast open we saw was at Birkdale uh, in 2013, mm. and this was the top 10. I'll go in reverse order. Hunter Mahan, Francesco Molinari, Tiger Woods was sixth, Zach Johnson was sixth, as was Hideki Matsuama. Uh, top three, Lee Westwood, Adam Scott, Ian Poulter. Second was Henrik Stenson, and of course, Phil Mickelson was the winner 
of the 2013 Open Championship. So there's a there's a reference point in terms of I can remember though those fairways being brown and particularly uh, fiery that that year. Yeah, and it's interesting because Phil had won the week before, hadn't he, the Scottish Open as well. So Scottish so clearly, Open, yeah. He, yeah, clearly he'd used that um, prep to to you know, to the best possible um, you know, in the best possible way to uh, to get himself ready playing all the shots that he'd likely need to play on and around the greens and uh, got himself into the position to win two weeks on the trot. Before we get into the names of players we like or we don't like um, early on and before we get into some sort of trends or some stuff that we've seen that might be of, of use to listeners, let's just talk about the course quickly. Par 71, it's 7,402 two yards long so that's a lengthy open championship venue i think it's probably i don't know about the old course but it's, if it's not the old course this is the longest on the i think rotor. it is the longest steve yeah I, i'm sure i've seen it quoted as the longest on on the rotor and i think it's the especially um, at par 71 yeah and it's it's the setup because it's only got two par fives as well isn't it it's the setup which makes it um feel even longer because um, you've only got those two par fives, and I think you've got thirteen par fours that are four hundred and fifty yards or or longer, haven't you? During the course of the the eighteen, so it just feels like a relentlessly uh, lengthy track uh, in in normal conditions. That's the weather. That's the same when it's firm and fast. You know, it remains to be seen, but, uh, but yeah. The championship course also features one of the toughest closing stretches in professional golf. Um, I think fourteen and fifteen are, are hard and uh, thirteen and fourteen are hard enough, but fifteen through eighteen is a really really tough stretch. Um, Sixteen from memory is a very long par three. That's mm. a monster, yeah. Two yeah. can play anywhere from kind of one ninety to two fifty. Absolutely, it's an absolute beast of a par three. Uh, you then get the par 4 17th named island, which is stretching at 461 yards with the Barry Burn very much in play. And of course, the signature closing 18th, where we've had all of the drama over the years, creatively called uh, or named the home hole. That I mean, that sticks long in the memory. It's interesting, you know, if you, if you actually look at the golf course, uh, the Barry Burn... Um, crosses the last two holes five times and it is very very much in play yeah yeah a lot of watery graves there over the years now i i also get the feeling with this when you when you look at the course there's a lot of ob as well and a lot of the ob is very close and it tends to be on the left of the holes doesn't it barry tends to be to the left left side yeah, just kind of refreshing uh, myself on the course, looking over it earlier on. I, just everything to to me on this screams um, a right-handed fader of the golf ball. Uh, it has a big advantage here, you know, because you're you're playing away from the danger or the extreme danger that the that is OB on a lot of holes. There's a lot of dog legs left to right. I mean, it, I mean, I know it's not quite as simple as that, but you know. Looking over the course, you, know, you could almost get around the place maybe only playing two or three draws if you're really forced into it. Mm. Now, that's obviously on a benign day with no wind. Um, wind's going to change the way a cor- that course plays uh, dramatically, but it looks to me like a fader's paradise. 
know I, I know I you, you've heard that before as well, haven't you? Or you've read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I've seen seen and read exactly the same thing, Barry. And um, I think you're right. I think there's a there's a strong uh, benefit to being a, a as you say a, a right-handed fader um, who can attempt to stay out of the worst of the trouble here because a lot of this is going to be about minimizing mistakes as you know as opposed to going out and and making your score and you can you can make you can make some birdies on the course particularly on the first kind of six holes or so it's not not that bad but um you, you need to hang on for the rest of the, the the course and um if you can play your way out of trouble um you know with that kind of shot shape then uh, it's not going to be a bad starting point i don't think Course record here is 63, held by Tommy Fleetwood, and he, he achieved that at the Dunhill Links last year. Now, that needs to be borne with some caution. Um, yeah. It always plays as a par 72 at the Dunhill Links Championship, and it also plays, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a pro-am. So it's, yeah, nowhere, it it's nowhere near as firm, and the rough is nowhere near as long. Uh, as you will get this uh, next week. No. The pins are friendly. Yeah, middle of the green. The, pa- the yeah. pace of the greens will be a little bit slower. It tends to be softer as well, yeah. You know, yeah. you're playing it at the back end of uh, September. It's October, actually, normally, isn't it? So, um, yeah, the conditions are far different. And I think, as you said, the rough is um, considerably different as well, you know, whereas you're going to have, you know, this kind of two-foot-high rough here this year. And, you know, OK, it's been dry up there the last few weeks or so but um you know that that'll have encouraged at least to begin with the this, this kind of unmaintained rough to really get growing and um yeah i think this you know it's, whilst you can't disregard what tommy did up there because clearly he did shoot uh shoot his score he shot 63 around there and you know at the end of the day that's a, a, a cracking effort but uh yeah you, you need to temper it with some uh some caution i think Previous course record was 64, held by Richard Green, the Aussie, Colin Montgomery, Anderson. and Steve Stricker. I believe Steve Steve Stricker did that at the last Open here in 2007 mm. because he went out in the final group with Padraig Harrington. Mm. I did my mind, Anders Hansen had the... Uh, oh, no, sorry, he went out in the final group. What am I talking about? With Sergio Garcia. Mm. Steve Stricker mm. did. That's some shooting mm. when it's set up for the Open Championship. Yeah, definitely. They definitely. reckon that the fairways around here average around about 28 yards in width. So there's a bit of width there. But, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but for me, it does shout excellent ball striking. And um, when you miss greens, inevitably, and that is going to happen, um, you need a first-class scrambling game. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt, I think that was borne out from the uh, from the stats from the last uh, last renewal here as well, wasn't it? Um, yeah. You know, you need to have a decent short game. You need to um, you need to hit it quite long. And I think because that was played in relatively soft conditions, wasn't it? Uh, back in '07. Yeah, it um, rained on the Wednesday before the Thursday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because uh, Sergio shot five under or something in the first round, didn't he? So he was sixty-five. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and I think I think you're going to likely have more emphasis on accuracy this this year because the fairways will be firmer, faster. And I think if you're inaccurate, you're going to be running through fairways into the rough, and that's not going to be pretty around here this week. Just to read through those tournament skill averages from the first three here in 07, 
Driving distance averaged out at 6th in the field. Driving accuracy 36th. Greens and reg 16th. Scrambling 8th. Putting average 24th. So, you know, it wasn't a putting contest. It was course management and it was scrambling of the highest level. Yeah. I think you need a strategy around here. You need to be patient. You need to um, hit as many fairways and as greens as you can. Um, and you need to scramble fantastically well. There was a quote from uh, from Phil Mickelson about the, the greens and that he quite enjoys the, the kind of the, the areas around the greens because there is... Uh, scope there is room to play some recovery shots from uh, well, you know when you when you do inevitably miss the greens but uh, you've got if you're going to keep missing greens you've got to make sure that uh, short game is really up to scratch should we talk trends hmm. of open championship winners go for it do it is there anything that floats your boat I think um, one of the first things to point out here is and it becomes quite clear when you just dig quite quickly into the um, into the form of inbound players. Yeah, it's just that you need players that have got immediate form. So Jordan Spieth won last year, and he won previously at the Travellers on his outing before. Henrik Stenson the year before that at Troon. 13th at the Scottish Open. Just played a nice, quiet Scottish Open. Just got himself right in the in the space required. And he'd won um, previously at the BMW International. Zach Johnson literally got off the charter flight from the John Deere Classic where he'd finished third and a fast finishing third. He had form in of sixth at the Travellers and third at the John Deere Classic. And Phil Mickelson at tw- in 2013 had won the Scottish Open the week before. I remember that because I was on Sky TV. Do you remember, Paul? Yep. State, stating categorically that Phil couldn't win. <laughs> he'd, shot him, he'd shot himself yeah. in the foot by uh, by winning in Scotland. Yeah, yeah. That, wasn't, that wasn't one of my most... Um, I don't know. I, I don't think I'd ever say it again, put it that way. Uh, and he won. I mean, Phil can do that. Jordan can clearly do that. Um, so I mean that is pretty in your face form, isn't it? Yeah. Um, when when Rory won at a very soft um, challenge in 2014, um, he had one at Wentworth that year, which was five starts prior to the Open, and he had form after that of 15, 23, missed cut 14. So even Rory was playing reasonably well and hitting tons of greens, which is always his strength. Um, so that says to me, I. Personally, on the bets that I've already put on for the Open, and I've put a couple on, I have looked for players who have got excellent form right now and have been active since the US Open. Hmm. That's a that's a prerequisite from yeah. my perspective. I don't think you're going to turn up with a string of miscuts and um, and expect to be able to contend and can compete at uh, an Open Championship, particularly one that plays tough. It's, you know, to find your game in those kind of conditions is um, is not going to be particularly easy, I don't think. There's some, I mean, there's there's some good and some bad to that, isn't it? It kind of cuts out quite a lot of players, but on top of that, but the 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 bad side to it is that clearly players that are in good form tend to be the shorter price players. I'll just run through some prices here for uh, for listeners of previous winners. Jordan Spieth last year was the sixteen to one favourite. Stenson in 2016 was 30 to 1. 
Zach Johnson in 2015, and I still can't believe this, but I remember the build-up to this. St Andrews, bomber, 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 bomber course. Zach Johnson, 125 to 1. Mm. Wow. How did did we miss that? But the funny thing is, I think I remember we were talking about this back then, that... You know, you said St. Andrews, you really need your wedge game to be on form. Mm. And Zach's a phenomenal oh, wedge yeah, player. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, many yeah, of us yeah. missed it. Mm. it and, and finished like a train the week before. Yeah, And, yeah. and, and he had a previous oh, Open too. Championship top 10, didn't he? So there was there, there was so many bits you could um, you could pick up about Zach. And um, yeah, as you say, Steve, the narrative that week was all, you know, you, you need to be proper. You know, oh, pro- but it was bomber country, wasn't it? Um, yeah, exactly. McElroy was 18 to 1. Uh, in 2014, Phil was 20 to one coming off a win at the Scottish Open, and Ernie Els at Royal Lytham was tw- in 2012 was 45 to one. That was the one that Scott threw away big style. Mm, Scott yeah. was also a 45 to one shot. Of course, if you want to go back to the last big prize winner or two big prize winners, 2010 at St Andrews and 2011 at St George's, which were heavily, heavily wind and um, weather affected. Oosthausen was 250 to 1 on the right side of the draw at St Andrews. Mm. And um, Clark was 200 to 1 at Royal St George's. Now, from a weather perspective, Paul, I mean, we're sitting here in beautiful sunshine again over here in the, in, uh, the United Kingdom this evening. Um, you've already mentioned the fact that down at Gullen, the fairways are already pretty brown. Yeah, um, yeah. I know that you've been scanning the weather forecast for the last few days, and particularly this afternoon. What kind of weather are we expecting for next week? Yeah, I've been keeping an eye on it for a couple of weeks just to just to get a gauge really of the amount of rainfall, and it's it's been negligible. If anything, it's you know the whole whole of the UK and, and Ireland as well um, has generally been um, very very warm, very very dry, and it's. Um, it's quite, it baits everything. I, I, I don't know about you, but if I look out my window here, the grass is, is like straw. It's, you know, there's virtually no green um, on it full stop. And, um, you know, they, they've clearly had to keep the, 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 co- the course and the grass alive by artificially watering out there, but it's still going to be firm and fast. And I don't see a great deal changing. You know, there's potential um, and there's, there's a slight risk that you're going to get some, some weather come into the, to the north, north of Scotland over the course of that week. But um, I think the safest assumption is that the conditions are going to continue as they are it's going to be firm it's going to be fast there's going to be very little rain between now and then if there is it's likely to be a little bit of drizzle or um you know just a shower or two um so i think realistically we're looking at more sunny weather um i I won't be particularly hot it won't be baking up there it'll be kind of mid to high 60s in fahrenheit but um it's going to be pleasant for playing golf um the winds and you know to try and predict really the wind uh, direction and the wind speed a week in advance is uh, yeah you shouldn't you shouldn't be making any um, firm uh, decisions on it no. but it looks at the moment like it's not going to be overly windy um, kind of five mile an hour in the morning in the morning and kind of pushing on to 10 12 in the afternoon um, that's probably just enough to to keep the um, keep the professionals thinking about it a little bit particularly you know with the, with the position of it on the coast the the interesting um point with the winds it does look it's look like it's going to be coming in from the east now the course was built for it to be coming in coming in predominantly from the west so this is kind of turning on its on its head 
Um, and if that's the case, um, it's going to make the 18th, for instance, uh, play um, against the wind. So an already very long hole, four, 499 yards, I think it is. If that's playing against the wind um, in any shape or form, that's going to make that absolutely brutal. Um, the 16th, the long par three we're talking about, that kind of wind direction, as I'm seeing, um, that would make it uh, a wind blowing directly across. So it would be a crosswind across yeah, that hole. Crosswinds, yeah. Can you imagine? So, but I think which, whichever, because of the nature of the course, because of the way that it kind of um, meanders round, and you know, every hole kind of plays in a different angle and different direction to the previous one. So you, you're going to get these um, differences in the uh, in how each hole plays based on the wind direction, but. Um, the course certainly wasn't built from an east, for, for an easterly, so it will add a different dynamic to it, um, and it will be interesting to see how you know. I, I think you know the the RNA will um, adapt their strategy accordingly, and they won't make it you know so brutally difficult if the wind's blowing and it's making you know some of the par fours unreachable, for instance. Um, but um, certainly, you know, if, if the 18th hole is going to play particularly tough as a result of the wind direction then um, that'll add another bit of spice to proceedings, I think. But, uh, yeah, I, we, we need to keep a close eye on this over the next few days and see how it starts to um, pan out before putting any uh, final decisions down and, uh, you know, put my final money down on, on Monday afternoon, Tuesday morning. When yeah, For me, the final decision may well come down to, if, if there's going to be a massive draw bias, then I may need to um, hold back slightly as to, as to when I... You know, when I pull the trigger with my my final team, um, if it looks pretty flat, then uh, you know we can go quite early with it. I think so. It's going to need a pretty seismic change in the weather. I think we've seen these these oh, lovely yeah. conditions and and it, light winds over here for going on for three three and a half weeks. So it would take hopefully, a, it, hopefully yeah. it stays the same. It would take a lot of water to make an impact now, I think. It would take a lot of rain. And I, I can't see that in the forecast whatsoever. So, yeah. What, what do you guys think then? I mean, it's finger in the air kind of stuff. But if conditions were what we've got at the moment and ground conditions are what we think they're going to be, 7-under won this or 7-under got Harrington and Garcia into the playoff in 1999. Mm. Um not nice. Oh, yeah, two, yeah, that was that was a uh, nineteen ninety nine. That was a um, Prince song, wasn't it? Mm. Now nineteen ninety nine was Van der Velde. Two thousand and seven minus seven got um, Garcia and Harrington into the playoff. What's a gut feel in terms of a winning score? If if we've kind of got what we think we're going to get in terms of conditions. I, I, for me, I think you're somewhere between the two. What did uh, Laurie won at plus six, I think, didn't he, back in 1999? And the rough was particularly challenging that that year. It was really thick and really horrible. Um, you're taking a 13 shot spread for for your guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to go straight. I was going to go. I was going to literally down the middle. So I'd, I'd say somewhere around level par is probably the the right number. Is my, wow. my gut yeah. feel for it. My, my gut, yeah, maybe maybe level to a couple a couple under because the winds aren't quite heavy. So, you know, there's mm. somebody's going to be able to figure out how to maybe get it to two, three, four under par. Um, but look, it all depends what happens in the next, you know, uh, in the next week. Mm. Um, you could get, you, I'm almost certainly will be looking at that kind of 
10 mile an hour Lynx wind yeah. at the very least. So yeah. you guys genuinely think this is going to be a proper technical scoring Open Championship? None of this 13 under, 15 under business? No, I can't see it. Not, not with a firm and fast course. No. Carnoustie is a tough, challenging course. If it's soft and there's no wind, you can go and score around there. But firm, um, even even without a great deal of wind, firm fairways are going to cause a lot of havoc because people will be running off fairways into bunkers, into into the rough, and um, bogeys will be readily made as a result of that. I think you need to be attacking this from the fairway um, to be able to hold the greens, um, and you're going to need a splendid long game and short game, a proper all-round test, and I think it will be. I think I, I can't I can't see a I can't see a silly under par score winning this. So in your no. so in your mind, chaps, players that have played in Paris, players that have played in Ireland, and players that are playing in Scotland this week are going to be at a distinct advantage. You think, yeah? I think I, I don't. I think it can only help the cause. Yes, yeah. Whether people who haven't played that are actually out there and they're playing local courses in the same conditions and getting acclimatized to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know that I, I'm not sure it absolutely has to be competitive action that's been done over the last couple of no, no, no. weeks, but but yes, I if you haven't had any kind of um, you know, exposure to how these courses are playing right now, I think that is a distinct disadvantage. Yeah, like if it, if it's your kind of if you're coming in on the John Deere Classic charter flight on Monday morning, yeah. And you've only played a couple of Open Championships. You're in, you're, you're, two links you're in a lot in your of career. you're in a lot of trouble. You've just. You know. I, I I think you may as well book your flight home for Friday <laughs> evening. Yeah. I mean, if you if you've if you've just gone out on a birdie fest where it's effectively just a wedge and putting competition at the John Deere and they shoot 18, 20, whatever under who's going to be the final winning score, um, then you're going to be in for a bit of a shock when you turn up at Carnoustie, I think. I, I can never, ever, ever understand why anybody would play that tournament if they're coming over to play in the Open Championship. Mm. To me, it just makes zero sense whatsoever. The the, on, the only thing I can think of that somebody might be looking for is to get a nice, comfortable uh, feeling with their swing and just used to just scoring. So just to kind of get a comfort factor with their game that's the only kind of reason I could come up with well, it's, as to why you, yeah. as to why you play that versus like the Irish Open or the Scottish Open yeah. or come over a week early and just play casual rounds of golf on Lynx golf course yeah. well I tell you someone that's going to be hugely popular Francesco Molinari he's going to be mm-hmm. very popular next week and for him to be playing the John Deere Classic this week that's that's a brave move now whether he's been over here because he's clearly he's, he's Surrey based whether he's been over here playing courses in Scotland over the last few weeks, getting acclimatised to it anyway, who knows? Mm. But it's it's a strange one, isn't it? It's a strange I one. Yeah, I don't think he can really because he's he, he played um, the US Open a week off. Then he was at the Quicken Loans where he won. Then a week off. Then he's he's playing again this week. So unless he's literally been. They can nip him backwards and forwards. Private jets, though, can't they? Well, they can, but there's a lot. It's, lot still, of it's still funny though that he got the win boxed off. He's sorted cards done, blah blah blah. So why, you know, you can easily make a schedule change yeah. if he wanted a spot in the Scottish Open, mm. he'd get it no problem. Mm. So, mm. yeah, 
I don't maybe he's just decided to stick to his schedule, stick to his plan, and not disrupt the rhythm he has and the the you know the plan he had for the year. Mm. And uh, that could be the best way for him to to get his uh, game and head in the right place. Yeah. Um, only he knows the reasons though. No, no, no. And when he wins it, clearly um, it's it's up to. Do he's do got it. a great chance, he, isn't he? We're, we're talking a load of rubbish. Here. So let's talk players. I, I don't suggest that we go through. The, bet, the betting as it stands, and you know, yes or no kind of scenario. Um, we've got, we've got this typical major championship scenario now, where it's very, very, very open at the top of the of the betting market. Um, Dustin Johnson's the favourite. Um, the biggest price you'll get on Dustin right now is twelve to one. And then we've got McElroy at sixteens with Justin Rose. Uh, there's some 18 to 1 about Ricky Fowler, who plays in Scotland this week with Rose. Uh, Tommy Fleet with the course record holder is at 20 to 1. Uh, Jordan Spieth is as big as 20 to 1, although uh, it's 16s in the main. Then you've got the likes of John Rahm at 20s, Justin Thomas at 22s. Some of these prices are going to actually they're going to go out. We know that. We just know that from experience. Yeah. Brooks Cope could the US Open double champion, 25 to 1. Tiger Woods is 25. Stenson is 25s. Uh, I'm seeing 28s about Jason Day and Sergio Garcia at 33s with Francesco Molinari. And then we get to the likes of Alex Nuren, uh, Patrick Reed, Paul Casey, Brandon Grace, Hideki Matsuama, all at 40 to 1. Um, are there any players that are shouting to you guys back me already? They don't need to be any of the ones I've mentioned. Are there any players that you've already backed? Well, personally, this is one of the events that I don't tend to get involved anti-post. I, because the each way terms change so dramatically as you get closer to, to the Monday. And in fact, looking at it right now, this is Wednesday Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday evening here in the Coral UK. have already gone 10 places yeah. each way. Coral have already gone 10, uh, Bet365 have already <laughs> gone 8. So that's their two positions that they've already um, taken, you know, yeah. t- taken that. Some of the others are already up to seven, but you know they'll change. Um, I'm expecting one or two more to go to ten each way as well. And um, you know you, you've got a massive choice then as to how you play this, as we as we've talked about at the Masters, as we talked about at the U.S. Open, um, and prices for some of those players that aren't. Um, yeah, or some some of the bookmakers that aren't going to the um, to the extent of ten places each way, some of their prices will go out. And for me, you can play the short price players if you really fancy a player at the top of the market. Um, you can take him win only, or you can take him with a fewer each way places and potentially get a much stronger price. Um, so I tend to unless there's something that's absolutely screaming at me, um, you know, a week to a month before, um, I tend to leave it alone with this. But Looking at the top of the market, I keep getting drawn to Dustin Johnson. I think his game is going to be absolutely perfect for this. And whilst that sounds a bit boring at being the the favourite and you're looking at 12 to 1, as you say, um, you know, if you want a long ball striker, and I think length here does help, I, you know, I, I, the, the fairways are going to be uh, firm and fast, but he's going to be able to take on some of these some of the bunkers that are out there. And potentially fly some of the bunkers and if you're attacking some of these holes from much shorter and much closer to the greens 
um, you're going to be able to hold them for a start. You, you can't. Some some of the holes you can play and run up to the to the green. Some of them you have to play across bunkers, depending how. Uh, that particular hole's position, pretend, you know, depending where you're playing the approach shot from, and if you're attacking from the fairway and attacking from further up, you're going to be in a much stronger position to to get closer to the pin to hold the greens and to give yourself a birdie opportunity. Here is numbers, yeah. U.S. Open at Shinnecock Hills, fifth for driving distance, sixteenth for driving accuracy, sixteenth for driving accuracy, and he was banging it three thirteen, mm. yeah. So you won't be surprised he was second for total driving that week. Yeah, yeah. He was second for greens in regulation and he was sixth for scrambling. Pretty phenomenal numbers, aren't they? They, they are. I mean, the, one, of the, one of the trends that you've picked out and your, your piece that, as you said, is, you, you're going to link to from this podcast is that only Tiger Woods, going back to 20, 2000, only Tiger Woods has won this event as the reigning... Mm. Um, OWGR number one player um, which is a challenge because clearly there is a trend there that will need busting Dustin for me is that kind of player who yeah. does kind of transcend some of those trends that are out there Yeah. Um, but you temper all of this with the fact that you've got a world class team and a world class field and um, he's 12 to 1 at the moment it's it's a dilemma, I must say. It's something something that I'm going to work through myself over the next year. I, I've got no, I've got no issue with not taking the twelve to one right now because I suspect I'll get fourteen, maybe even sixteen, with either a win only or with some vastly reduced um, each way places um, as we go into the start of next week. Should I want to go down that route? But if he really jumped out to me when you know with the fade bias on the golf course, yeah, he's just he's just the one that for me will stand head and shoulders above the rest of the top of the market mm-hmm. for um for going out to win this yeah. uh, and it's the uh, as ever as people who have heard me on the show before i'm almost allergic to prices that short <laughs> um yeah. but that that's a really tempting one even for me yeah you know and if if he can leak out, if he can get him somehow like boosted through one of the bookies to like 16 to 1 yeah, yeah. That's so tempting. Yeah. I, well, it's funny you should yeah. say that because we know, Paul, that we've a uh, golf betting system. We've we've um we've got an exclusive deal with eight 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 Sport for the Open this year, mm, where you yeah. can treble, treble your odds on the first bet. So he is currently eleven to one with eight 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 Sport. So on your first bet, and I think the maximum will be a ten pound win only bet. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 Yep. You'll, yeah, be able to get, you'll be able to get 33 to 1 on Dustin Johnson. It's paid in cash. Uh, yeah, the current price is sitting at the moment. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're currently 11 to 1, so that would push him out to, to 33s. So even if you just wanted a saver on him just to um, yeah. just just to cover yourself off. And, uh, and how many accounts can we open? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting as well, you know. I'm just looking at my records. He was as short as 8 or 9 to 1 to win the US Open at Shinnecock. Mm. And we're seeing him at twelve to one. It seems like a good price, doesn't it? Yeah. It what's does. he What's he done wrong apart from finishing third at the U.S. Open? Well, this is it, and um, nothing. Uh, it's funny. I think it's. It looks like the bookies haven't a bloody clue who to to install yeah. or who to favour at all. It's, it's been the same for the last. They're year, all over it? the place. Yeah, absolutely. 
you know, you look down the list at someone like Spieth and, um, you know, generally he's around about fifth or sixth favourites, but with some bookies, he's, he's virtually uh, virtually the same price as Dustin Johnson. It's it's all over the place. And you've got eight, ten players who are all in this kind of 20 to one-ish kind of bracket who, um, you know, are very difficult to part. Very difficult to part. I mean, th- this to me, like the, the the discrepancies between the bookies to me says that even more so, you'll see a higher variance between them and who they're who they're kind of laying next week mm. and who they're backing themselves. Yeah, yeah. So you, you know, it it will obviously as a punter, it'll pay to have options in your betting accounts to be able to find the best value Absolutely, next yeah. week because one of your golfers, you know, the guys you want could be going off at sixty six to one with one bookie, and he could be thirty fives or forties with another. So. Yep. Mm, well, ha- absolutely. Having that. I mean, here's a prime example just on what you're saying. Alex Noren just won the Open de France. Um, Coral have got him priced up at 20 to 5 to 1 to win, 10 places each way. And Ladbrokes have got him 5 places each way, caught the odds, 40 to 1. Mm. A 15 point gap. And yeah. he's going to be a hugely popular, quite rightly, player next week. Yeah, he is. I hope. Yeah. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or get your bet in early. But uh, you know, yeah. one another one of the things you teased out in that uh, preview, Steve, was that um, I think it was twelve of the last eighteen winners had won a tournament of some description in that calendar year yeah. already prior to prior to taking the Open Championship. So, someone like Noren who has got that win, um, again, you know, is ticking another big box there. That. Um, you know, if you were to use that one factor alone to, to whittle down your field, then you'd be left with quite a manageable shortlist um, to begin with, and one of one of which would be Alex Noren. Just to um, firm that up, 12 champions from the last 18, so 67% of won a tournament in the year they won the <coughs> Open. So, yeah. Mm. yeah. He's, he, he, he sets up well for this, doesn't he? He does with his fade, yeah. Because, you know, he's he's playing brilliantly this year. He's got that phase, that just super controlled, razor sharp, sharp short game, as we know, and uh, you know, complain has shown that he can win multiple times in the year. Complain the wins, no problem. The the only thing I'm gonna hang on, and hopefully, hopefully, the some of the boys this week will show a bit of form. They'll get cut down, and he'll get pushed out a bit. Yeah. Um, that's the that's the hope, you know. You know what? I might kind of uh, avoid that Dustin Johnson on eight 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 sport uh, bet and take Alex Noren with them thirty three to one. Multiply that by three for ninety nine to one. <laughs> now you're talking. Now you're talking. It is win only though. But bear that in mind. Well, it doesn't matter if he wins and you know lifts the Claret Jug. Our phones will be blowing up. Paul, can you imagine if, oh, yeah. if, if 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 Barry's got him at ninety nine to one and he's right in the mix on that Sunday afternoon? Yeah, 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 WhatsApp's yeah. going to blow up. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody. <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever followed my tips so far. <laughs> so why would they change now? Uh, uh, and if one and if a tenor at ninety nine to one turns oh, eight 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 Sport inside out, you'll, you'll be dangerous. you'll be describing every shot to us too on, on, on our <laughs> WhatsApp group. I can't believe him. What's only if doing? I can, o- only if I can open up accounts for both of the dogs. <laughs> oh, mate! Any players apart from the ones we've mentioned that you've you've got a, a nice feeling for? Well, I mean, I, I'll go and go You go. Go on. No, no, go for go for it. Um, the player that I'm rather hoping has a particularly poor week this week is Matthew right. Southgate, because um, he's going to be popular anyway. Because you know he's 
the, the secret's well and truly out that he can play Lynx mm. golf. Um, he got a place for us back at the Open de France um, yeah. on the start before last. Um, and you know, I, I, I laid off him last week um, and it was... It worked. I, well, it did, yeah. I, mean, I, I, got, I got questioned with, about it quite a lot as to why I didn't back it up and, and go with him again for a second week on the trot. And he was heavily tipped. He was very heavily backed as well last week. He was into, into 50 to 1 in places from a, from a three-figure starting point. Um, and he did what Matthew Southgate tends to do, which is the week after a, a big performance, he doesn't tend to produce, um, you know, produce the goods. And there's a danger that he goes out and has a good week this week. I suspect he probably won't. I wouldn't be surprised if he misses the cut. And if he misses the cut, then next week we may get to 50s, maybe even a little bit more about him. Um, he's currently around about 200 to 1 at the best price. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that would be a lovely little each-way bet. I, I'm not proposing that he goes and wins the Open Championship, but if you can get yourself an each-way place back on a 200, 250, 300, whatever price he ends up being shot for next week, then that would be a nice, nice return. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll keep a close eye on him this week. He'll probably scupper that, finish third or fifth or something and uh, and be 80 to 1 for next week, which would be a real shame. But uh, he's definitely on my watch list for how he goes this week and uh, one for the start of next but those are the two that I've kind of got in my mind as to um, you know that that's depending how things play out will will be part of my team potentially next week I, I have a player that I probably I thought I probably would never pick um, not Bubba Watson no, are you joking me? Yeah, this I, I is... am joking. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Bubba, Bubba cannot grind it out. <laughs> no, no, but no, this no. this week's nap, Bubba Watson missed yeah, the cut. Seventy. Yeah, 70. but uh, yeah, this guy, this guy can grind results. He's a winner this year. Right. I'm intrigued. Oh, I I'm know, who, I know who you're gonna say. I know who Go you're going to say. Just, you're, just, you're, just cover your when your jaw drops. Don't. You know, I cover reckon. Your mics. I reckon he's won this year. Was yeah. it on the PGA Tour? It was. I reckon it's Ian Poulter. It is. I can read your mind. Yeah. I think there's there's worse there's worse. Um, worse I think it makes a lot of sense. Mm. Well, what, who did we mention in that Muirfield? Um, he finished ten? third. Yeah, absolutely. Super super fast conditions. He was 27th when it was played at Carnoustie the last time. He's won six events ago, and he's got the Ryder Cup on his horizon. Yep. There, you know, back to our point about who's the most motivated. Yeah, 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 absolutely. He wants the major, you know, and he and this is the kind of thing like that he'll get the bit between his teeth that he knows this is the toughest, the toughest, you know, Open Championship venue. It's the kind of thing that will motivate the hell out of him. Mm. Um, and, he, he, know, won't be, he won't be the villain. He'll be a hero. Yeah, so, oh. so not his usual position that he gets over in the States. Yeah. You know, if, um, if he sharpens up his scrambling it's... game this week in Scotland, I think he's got a hell of a chance. Because it's interesting at the Open de France, he was second for Greens in Reg, wasn't he? He was 76.4 mm. second. And it was just his short game and his putting that was off. And he finished at a very you know, commendable 21st. If he can keep that level of ball striking going and just take or just add a few percentages to his scrambling game, I think he's a great shout. I really do, Poulter. 
See, now now we've got a 198 to 1 bet with 888 Sports. <laughs> We're really getting into the juicy figures here. He does make a lot of WhatsApp sense, messages. doesn't he? Because that's, ho- that's another I- thing I noticed. I know we're running out of time with this England semi-final that's coming up. But I do, you know, one, one of those things that I said at the very top of the show is major top tens is always a key for people that win the Open Championship. And I'm busily scampering through Wikipedia here. He, the one, do, do, he's got eight major top tens. He's got three at the Open, yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a decent shout, isn't he? And he fits into that kind of age bracket of the yeah. winners. Yeah, and in recent podcasts, level. we keep talking about motivation, motivation, motivation. And for him to get an automatic spot and to win his first ever major championship, you know, in Scotland, it'd be it in Ryder Cup year would be absolutely phenomenal, wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah, mm. I have a couple of I have a couple of like kind of long shots, but we're going to deal with that on the the show early next week. Yeah. Do you do you have anybody that's kind of sitting out just at the top of your head right now, Steve? Me, yeah, uh, I back Tyrrell Hatton. Yeah, I think big I, grinder. I think Hatton's playing some great stuff. Three major top ten finishes in his last eight majors. Yeah. That is quality. It's good. Um, he shot sixty five here last year at um, the Dunhill Links. 67 in 2016 and we know that he's won the Dunhill Links the last two years now I know you know it's going to play completely different but he knows the course intimately and he can grind don't forget he was sixth at Shinnecock a few weeks ago in horribly horrible firm conditions so I just think Tyrrell Hatton I've got 55 uh, on the exchange today on him um, mm, yeah. I think I, I could, and and we know with Tyrrell when he gets in the mix, he is not shy. He's mm. deter, he's a one determined winner. And bent grass greens, I just I I I couldn't avoid Tyrrell Hatton at fifties. That's the one I've backed. I think Snedeker might have a decent sneaky week as well. But you know, I'm Paul and I. Are, Absolute suckers for Branch Snedeker. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you are. I've got him on my preliminary shortlist for next week, which is actually incredibly long at the moment, so it's not even a shortlist of. Uh, but he just found yeah. something, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. 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 He, he's playing well. He's, he's, he's striking the ball nicely, he's putting well again, um, and he's, you know, he's got a bit of previous in the Open Championship, hasn't he? But I just knew, Barry, when you, when you started that, I just knew <laughs> you'd picked Ian Power. You and I think very similarly. Um, yeah, I could see Polter having a huge week next week. Let's hope he doesn't do something silly at the Scottish Open. Mm. A, a top seventeen would be just beautiful, something like that. Yeah, yeah just just to be you know not too specific on it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you just want to just want to see some hints, you know, s- yeah. some good hints of form. Mm. Um, and, and and like you said, kind of not fully in the mix come Sunday, but just yeah, en- enough there to kind of uh, to give him the taste of blood. Mm. Yeah, I think. I think that's it, chaps. We've got to get going, haven't we? We've got 10 minutes to kick off. Yes. Thank you for your time. Um, it's been a very interesting show. Um, it's good to just have a general chat about something like this, and I hope uh, I hope you listeners have enjoyed it. As I said at the top of the show, um, we will be back. Uh, our podcast will be broadcast next Tuesday. And unless there's like a hurricane Katrina coming in, Paul's tips... 
will be out. Um, what what are you hoping, Paul? Monday evening over? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for Monday evening so we can talk through them in our podcast. In the podcast yeah. um, even if they're not physically published by then, then um, I'll, I'll know where I'm going. Um, bar there being some ridiculous yeah. draw bias that needs... Um, that needs further investigation or to, to, to see how that's going to pan out. But, uh, well, but yeah, that's thank the you, plan. Thank you for your time, Paul. Thank you for your time, Barry. And uh, thank you to listeners. We will see you again next week for our Open Championship Pick Show. Good night. <laughs>